You're listening to Bible Truth Feed, a podcast by Christadelphianvideo.org for Christadelphians and all those seeking the truth about the Bible message. Join us now as we present our latest episode. Um, what comes to your mind uh, about what the Bible has to say about the first one? What, what stories, what, what, what words, uh, what bits? The people listening, you guys probably already know quite a lot about the firstborn. And my hope today is, is to remind us of some stuff we already know, but also by looking at all those bits the, the, of the, the concept of the firstborn across scripture and trying to tie it together, I think it kind of we can, can have something to take away. Um, but this is going to be our, our sort of plan of attack for tonight. We're going to do it in sort of four sections. We're going to start by looking at the principles. We're going to look at um, what does it mean to be the firstborn? Then we'll move on to think about Israel as God's firstborn. We'll think about Jesus as the firstborn. And then we're going to finish off uh, with the number four, um, the older shall serve the younger, which was a quote from the reading we took. It's the reason we took Genesis 25 as our reading. Uh, and we're going to be thinking about uh, the pattern that we see in Scripture, that where we are presented with, with um, siblings, two or more brothers, it appears that God never um, appears to, to choose the eldest, the natural firstborn. Um, and so we're going to think about that a little bit as well. And if I'm honest, that last bit is probably the thing that I think is most interesting and I'm most excited to share tonight. But in order to kind of fully appreciate it, we've got to do the work of the first three bits. So the first three bits, you may be thinking, yeah, I already know this is just reminding ourselves. But I think it will help us to fully appreciate a number four. So stay with me. I think hopefully it will pay off, OK, um, as we go through this. So let's start with the principles. What we're going to do is we're going to think about, to start us off, what the, um, the Hebrew and Greek words for firstborn uh, mean. I'll put those on the screen. Um, the Hebrew word, sorry, the Hebrew word, I think is pronounced something like a bikor, something like that, bikor. Uh, and it's, it refers to the firstborn of men or animals. It refers to the eldest son of a father. So it's very much about, about the male. Uh, and it can refer to something that is chief or first of its kind. So it refers to sort of definitely something that's first, but also something that's chief. Okay. The... Greek word actually has very similar meanings. Um, so it's this word here, pronounced something like uh, prototicus or something like that. Um, and it's kind of got two component parts to it. Protos is the first bit. Um, you might recognize that from words we have in English like prototype, uh, the first uh, iteration of, of something, a design. Um, and that protos means can mean first in time or place. So in a succession of things um, or uh, person, sorry, it's going off the screen. My slides. Protoss. Then this is where we are. So this can refer to something that's first in time or place. So if you've got, it could be something that's first chronologically. So you've got a number of things. It's the thing that occurs first. Or if you've got an order of things lined up, it'd be the first thing in that order. Um, or it can also refer to something that's first in order of importance. Something that is chief. Something that is principal. Is first in rank. Um, that's what that's what protos can refer to those two bits. And the second component part there means to bring forth or to bear or to produce or to give birth. So that Greek word means to, to give birth to the thing that is first in either time or importance. Okay. And what we can see then is that um, both the Hebrew and Greek words really can refer to something that is, it refers to something that is preeminent, but either a preeminent in time because it's the first thing or it's preeminent in rank because it's the chief, the principal, uh, the most important. Uh, and that, that, that is a, a, you know, uh, the same meaning across both the Old and New Testament. 
And what we see is that there's some phrases that also occur commonly alongside the, the term firstborn, uh, and they pick up both of these meanings as well. So what we'll find is that, so there's reference here in the Old Testament, where the firstborn is uh, was spoken of, um, it, it will also, in some of these verses, refer to he that openeth the womb. So you can see how the firstborn is the one that opens the womb. It's the first, uh, the preeminent in time, the first in time, the first to be born. But another phrase that occurs alongside the word uh, firstborn is the beginning or chief of strength, referring to the father's strength. So they are the chief of the father's strength. And they, we can see there the firstborn is preeminent in rank. They are the chief son, the preeminent in strength uh, of the children. Let's turn together to Deuteronomy 21 uh, and look at a few verses here. Um, this refers to inheritance, a double portion, which were mentioned um, earlier uh, by some. So Deuteronomy 21, we're going to read verses 15 to 17. Deuteronomy 21, verse 15. If a man have two wives, one beloved and another hated, and they have borne him children, both the beloved and the hated, and if the firstborn son be hers that was hated, so it's referring to a situation where um, uh, a man, ha his firstborn son, is from uh, the wife that he doesn't love. The, the beloved um, wife hasn't produced the firstborn. It's, it's the wife that he, he doesn't love. Verse 16. Then it shall be when he maketh his sons to inherit that which he hath, that he may not make the son of the beloved firstborn before the son of the hated, which is indeed the firstborn. But he should acknowledge the son um, of the hated for the firstborn by giving him a double portion of all that he hath. For he is the beginning of his strength. The right of the firstborn is his. There's things I want us to notice in these verses. The first is that um, the importance of the literal firstborn son. The father cannot pick or choose. His firstborn son is the one that was born first. Uh, we have here reference to the double portion of inheritance. I think it's only the only occurrence of that. So this, this first one is given the majority, the double portion of the inheritance. It refers here to him being the beginning of his strength, which we, we've already mentioned. And also at the end, it says that this first one son has the right of the firstborn is his. It's talking about the, the first one has a right. And I think this, this for them would be the birthright, which Esau despised in, in our Genesis 25 reading. This is the right of the firstborn, um, which I think Esau despised. Okay. So there's a few, few things for us to take, take away from those verses. I want us also now to come on to Psalm 89 uh, and just to pick up a few more points from Psalm 89. So Psalm 89. Uh, I'm going to read just verse three and four to give us a little bit of context um, before we come on to our, our firstborn verses. Psalm 89, verse three. I have made a covenant with my chosen. I have sworn unto David, my servant, that thy seed will establish forever and build up thy throne to all generations. It's clearly a reference, isn't it, to the promises to David. Uh, and this, this psalm then is, is, is speaking, I think, about, about David in the first instance, but ultimately is about the Messiah from the line of David. Come down to verse uh, 19 and 20. Um, just the end of verse 19 says, I have exalted one chosen <clears throat> out of the people. So it's talking about an exalted one, one that God has chosen, that's been exalted and raised up. I have found David my servant. Sorry, I have not. Sorry, I found David my servant. With holy oil, I have anointed him. So we've got 
an exalted one. We've got uh, the one that's anointed. Um, then let's come down to verse 26. He shall cry unto me, thou art my father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. Also, I will make him my firstborn, higher than the kings of the earth. So here uh, we have the fact that God is saying he's going to make this individual his firstborn. And if in the first instance is referring to David, um, then actually we know that David was the youngest of eight brothers. Um, so it's saying actually with God, it's, it's, it's different to Deuteronomy 21. God can choose his firstborn. He can make someone his firstborn. Um, and here he's selecting David and then ultimately the Messiah to be his firstborn, the anointed one. Um, and we're told there that this, this, this one that's going to be his firstborn in, in verse 21 will be higher than the kings of the earth. He's going to be exalted. He's going to be set in an elevated place. He's going to be preeminent in rank. That's one of our meanings of firstborn, isn't it? He's going to be the chief. He's going to be exalted above all the kings of the earth. So we have here the, the firstborn that is exalted by God and set in this, in this, this category of firstborn. Um, finally on this slide, I'll just make the point that um, I'm not sure I can actually find a verse that explicitly tells us this, but it's commonly thought that the firstborn um, son also represented the father's authority in his absence. So I'll just mention that because it's commonly thought that that was also the case. So there's our, our kind of principles. We thought about how the first one son was, could, is preeminent in time or as in being the first one that was born or preeminent in rank as being the chief or possibly both. Um, we thought there about the, the double portion and that actually a, a man couldn't pick or choose his firstborn with God. God is going to is going to make his anointed one, his exalted one, his firstborn, and he's going to exalt him to this position above the kings of the earth. So with that, we're going to move on to think about Israel. So come with me now to Exodus chapter four. We think about Israel as God's firstborn. So Exodus chapter four, uh, and we're going to read verses 22 and 23. I think this was um, possibly Alan mentioned this, 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 this aspect of the first one. Exodus four, verse 22. And thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, thus saith the Lord, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. And I say unto thee, let my son go that he may serve me. And if thou refuse to let him go, behold, I will slay thy son, even thy firstborn. So God is clearly saying here to, to Pharaoh that, that Israel is his son. Israel is his firstborn. And he needs to let his son go. And if Pharaoh refuses, then Pharaoh's son, Pharaoh's firstborn, is going to be killed. So before even any of the plagues have happened, there we have a connection here, don't we, between Israel as God's firstborn um, and the last plague, the death of, of, of the Egyptian firstborn and we have a, an explanation for that connection come on now to chapter uh, 11 where moses now is speaking to pharaoh and he's giving him uh, a warning um let's read verses uh, four and five of exodus 11 uh, moses said thus saith the lord about midnight i'll go out in the midst of egypt and all the firstborn in the land of egypt shall die from the firstborn of pharaoh that sitteth upon the throne even unto the firstborn of the maidservant that is behind the mill, and all the firstborn of the beasts. So we know that this, this last plague was, would be the death of all firstborns, animals that are from the highest to the lowest in, in the Egyptian society. Uh, and we have the fulfillment then in, in chapter, chapter 12. I'll read verse 29. 
which says, and it came to pass that at midnight, the Lord smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on his throne unto the firstborn of the captive that was in a dungeon and all the firstborn of cattle. So again, that is the fulfillment, isn't it? All those firstborns die. And we have, of course, the Passover, um, where the Israelites, those who are in the house with the, with the blood uh, around the doorframe was spared, don't we? And the, con- the consequence for them, for the Israelites then, of that, that sparing of the firstborn through the Passover, um, uh, through the Passover, we find then in, in chapter 13 and uh, verse 1 and 2. So turn there um, uh, and we read what this means for the Israelite firstborns. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, sanctify. This means to, to, to set apart, to make holy. Set apart unto me all the firstborn. Set apart all the, all the Israelite firstborn. Whatsoever openeth the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and of beast, it is mine. The firstborns of Israel belonged now to God. That's repeated then again in, in verse 11 and 12. Uh, and then we come down uh, to verse 13. It's um, an interesting verse, which says, And every firstling of an ass thou shalt redeem with a lamb. And if thou wilt not redeem it, thou shalt break his neck. So it seems a bit of a, a, bit of a, a strange uh, sort of a verse. He was talking now about the firstborn of an ass, the donkey, and saying that needs to be redeemed with a lamb. You know, if you don't, then you have to break its neck. And it carries on, and all the firstborn of man among thy children shalt thou redeem. So the children of Israel, their firstborn needs to be redeemed, just as the firstborn of, of an ass needs to be redeemed. Um, and they're, they're set side by side, almost as in, in, in comparison, aren't they? And we know that um, an ass was an unclean animal. animal. It didn't, didn't chew the cud. And possibly what happened here is comparing the fact that Israel was an unclean animal. It was an ass. And it needed to be um, redeemed in the same way with a lamb, uh, just as an ass would be. And then we have verse 14 to 16, which gives us the reason that the firstborn is set apart at the start of chapter 13, um, which says, And it shall be when thy son asketh thee in times to come, saying, What is this that thou say unto him, By strength of hand, the Lord brought us out from Egypt from the house of bondage. And it came to pass when Pharaoh would hardly let us go, that the Lord slew all the firstborn of the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of the man and the firstborn of the beast. Therefore, I sacrifice the Lord all that openeth the matrix, being males, but all the firstborn of my children I redeem. And it shall be a token, sorry, it shall be for a token upon thy hand and for the front that's between thy eyes. For by strength of hand, the Lord brought us forth out of Egypt. So the reason that all the firstborns belong to God, the firstborn animals were sacrificed to God, uh, but the, the, the children were redeemed, um, was because God saved them uh, through the Passover. The firstborns belonged to God. Uh, but then we come down to the, the last uh, sentence on, on that slide, um, maybe Numbers 3, come to me to Numbers 3. There is a shift, then we come into Numbers. We, we, we've got established here the, the firstborn of Israel being set aside um, for God because he has spared them through the Passover. But as we now come into Numbers, there, that, that there is a, a change. Um, the role of the, of the firstborn is, is taken up now by the Levites. Um, so Numbers 3, let's read verse 12 and 13. And I behold, I have taken the Levites from among the children of Israel instead of all the firstborn that openeth the matrix among the children of Israel. Therefore, the Levites shall be mine. 
because all the firstborn are mine. For on the day that I smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, I hallowed unto me, I set apart unto me, all the firstborn in Israel, both man and beast, mine they shall be, I am the Lord. So now as we come now to uh, Numbers 3, the, 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 the tabernacle is set up, that Israel now is encamping around it, and God decides that he's going to take this tribe, the tribe of Levite, to be his in replace instead of the firstborn of, of Israel. They are now the ones that, that, that um, sort of are the firstborn for God. Uh, we had not time to look at it, but at the end of the chapter, it goes on to explain how they count up all the, the, the firstborn in Israel and all the Levites. And they find out there's 273 more firstborn um, in Israel than there are Levites. So they have to be redeemed and they have to pay, I think it's five shekels for them. So that was kind of a, we've gone through a lot there. But the point of this slide really, I suppose, is to make us realize that, that first of all, God says that Israel was his, his son and his was his firstborn. Uh, the, the firstborn animals and children of Israel were to be gods. They were belonged to him and they were set apart for him because he saved them from the plague of the firstborn. And so they belonged to him. They had to be re- the children had to be redeemed. Uh, the firstborn child had to be redeemed. And then we come to numbers. Uh, the Levites replace the firstborn and they are set aside for God instead of the firstborn child. So that's kind of our, our, what we're going to cover in terms of the, the firstborn of Israel. I want us to keep moving, though. Um, so we're now going to go on to think about, about Jesus as the firstborn. So we're not going to go into all these, these verses, but just to kind of give us an overview. Um, we know that Jesus is, is declared. Uh, I've got the verses there in, in the gospel, according to Luke, and three moments in gospel, uh, Luke's gospel. Jesus is declared to be God's son. Uh, we are, we're told at his birth, Luke 1, 38, he's declared to be God's son. Um, at his baptism in chapter three, uh, he's declared to be God's son. And interestingly, after baptism, you then have the genealogy. And at the end of the genealogy, we have uh, it's saying Adam, which was the son of God. So we have, have this contrast between the baptism and uh, Jesus being, being um, declared to be God's son in contrast to Adam, who is also called the son of God. So Jesus, in some ways, is being presented to us as a, as a second Adam uh, in Luke 3. And then we have in Luke 9, the transfiguration, um, which is quoted in 2 Peter also. Uh, uh, Jesus here is declared again to be the son of God. Um, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to turn there, but I'll mention Psalm 2, uh, because Psalm 2, um, verse 2 talks about the Lord's anointed. Verse 6 refers to my king. And I'm going to read to you verse 7, uh, which says, um, I will declare the decree. The Lord hath said unto me, thou art my son this day. Have I begotten thee? So in this psalm, um, God is saying that, that this individual is his son and he's begotten him. Uh, and it's quoted uh, a number of times in, in the New Testament. Uh, the two I've got on there are Acts 13 and Hebrews 5, which reference Psalm 2, verse 7. Uh, and the point I mentioned this is that um, Acts 13 draws a connection between um, Jesus being God's son and being the begotten of God with the resurrection. It talks about how, how twice, how Jesus is raised up uh, and I think it's connecting it with the resurrection, that through the resurrection, Jesus is the begotten of God. Uh, and it also mentions the, the sure mercies of David, which is another connection back to Psalm 89. Um, but then also he, uh, Hebrews 5, verse 5, talks about, in reference to Psalm 2, verse 7, talks about how Jesus made high priests. Um, and we remember, don't we, that the Levites were set apart, set apart instead of the firstborn son. And now we have Jesus, the son of God, Falling in, putting, being put in that category of the high priest, um, being set apart for God. 
So I wanted to go through those because what's interesting when you look at those is that Jesus, as far as I can see, is never referred to as the firstborn um, before his resurrection. Um, he's never explicitly called the firstborn, I think, until after his resurrection. He is the son of God. And we know in similar to how Adam is called the son of God and, and Israel was called the son of God. But this is a very special son of God, isn't it? Um, and God makes it. But I think the point is what I'm trying to make is that, that following the resurrection, God makes him his firstborn. That's what we read in Psalm 89. I will make him my firstborn and he'll be higher than the kings of the earth. He's exalted. And that's what happens, doesn't it? Following the resurrection of Jesus. He is, he is exalted to the, to the position above everything. And it's at that point then that we start to read about this term firstborn in relation to Jesus, following his resurrection, following his exaltation to the right hand of the throne of God. Um, we now have the term firstborn uh, ascribed to Jesus. And I've got three, uh, well, three or four references there on the bottom of the screen where that occurs. Uh, the first one is Colossians 3.15, uh, the firstborn of every creature, it says in the AV, or every created thing. Um, so I think I might have mentioned something along those lines. So it's the idea that he is the firstborn of every creature. He is the, the Colossians here is talking about how Jesus is the preeminent. He is the chief. He's the one that's been raised up. Um, so he's the firstborn above all created things. And then later on in Colossians, 3, Colossians 1 and Revelation 1, it talks about how Jesus is the firstborn from the dead. He's the first one. He's preeminent in time because he's the, the first one that's been raised to everlasting life, to eternal life. He's the first uh, one in that way. So Jesus is preeminent in, in time because he's the first one that's been raised to eternal life. So he's the firstborn that way, but he's also the preeminent in rank. He's, the, he's been raised to be chief over creation by God, to the exalted position now following the resurrection. Um, but I want to... Um, um, I'm going to mention Romans 8, verse 29, um, again for time. Well, we could turn it up quickly, but I'll, but I'll come back to it at the end. I'll read you Romans 8, 29, because Romans 8, 29 it, it says something quite amazing, I think, um, about how Jesus, um, it, about Jesus being the firstborn. What it says, um, Romans 8, verse 29 says, For whom he did foreknow, he did also predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. So, so those that, that God has foreknown as predestined, you know, he, he's predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus. That, so this is the reason that God wants to do this, that he might be, that Jesus might be the firstborn among many brethren. So Jesus is the firstborn. He's the, he's been, he's the first to be resurrected to eternal life. He's, he's been exalted to this, this preeminent position. But he's, God wants him to be the firstborn among many brethren. Um. So the, so the point is, I think, is that, that, that Jesus is the firstborn and we have the hope that we can be his siblings, that we can be siblings of the, of, or we can be brothers of the firstborn by being conformed to his image. We can then become siblings of the firstborn. Um, and I think that so we can be part of, 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 of that, that family, which is quite, quite remarkable. So let's, let's just... Um, Pause and take a little breath before we go into the next bit. Um, just to summarize again where we've got. So we've talked about how the, the firstborn is can refer to someone who's preeminent in time, the first um, in time, or preeminent in rank, the chief, the principal one. We thought about how Israel was God's firstborn, um, how 
that he um, spared Israel's firstborn in the plague, uh, the last plague, when the, the firstborn in Egypt died, and therefore the firstborn of, of Israel belonged to God, animals and, and children, and the children had to be redeemed when they were born, the firstborn. But then God chooses the Levite tribe uh, to replace the firstborn children, to be set aside for him um, uh, as his, uh, instead of the, the firstborn, to, to kind of fulfill that category. Jesus then um, was the son of God, um, and at his resurrection, I'm suggesting he becomes the firstborn of creation and the firstborn from the dead. He becomes preeminent over creation. Um, he's exalted, and he's also the first that's raised to an everlasting life. And we have the hope of being his brothers um, by being conformed to his image. So, With all of that in our minds, I want us um, to come back now to this final idea, this idea we have of the older shall serve the younger, which was from Genesis 25. What we've seen in all the stuff we've covered so far is just how important the firstborn is. You know, uh, you know it, 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 it's really made the point, but just how significant the firstborn is. Um, and so then when we come to this verse, it's even more striking, it's even more surprising that we read of an older, that made the firstborn, serving a younger child because everything we've seen really is about the exaltation of this firstborn but now we're saying actually well, the older is now going to serve the the younger and there's a pattern i think um in 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 the bible in scripture where again where i said we're, we're presented with with two or more brothers that god never appears to choose the eldest than the natural firstborn um and actually what we have is it actually often what's portrayed is the failure of the firstborn um, the only exception that may be is the Lord Jesus Christ. But then again, is Jesus that he could be understood as the second Adam. So again, maybe that still fits the pattern. So, so maybe if I ask you to have a little think and to tell me, can you think of any siblings in the Bible where God chooses and works with the younger sibling? It's, who were the first two siblings? Cain and Abel. The, the, the youngest sibling that, that God blesses, doesn't Ishmael and Isaac. Isaac was, you know, Ishmael was officially Abraham's um, firstborn. I, uh, I, Esau and Jacob, we've talked about the 12 sons of Jacob. We've talked about actually how, which, yeah, Reuben was the firstborn, but he he slept with his with Jacob's concubines. Um, and it was Joseph who saves the family. Uh, and it's Jew, um, uh, and the line of Christ comes from Judah, doesn't it? And the tribe of Levi is set apart instead of the firstborn. So we see it's not the firstborn Judah. Ephraim, the younger brother of Manasseh, gets Jacob's blessing and put ahead of Manasseh. Aaron and Moses. Moses is the younger brother of Aaron. David, the youngest, youngest of eight brothers. Solomon. Um, I've heard it suggested that Abraham might be the younger brother, but, I, but I'm, I, I'm not, I'm not I'm, I'm convinced myself of that, but that's a possibility. So we've got this clear pattern, haven't we? It's quite striking, but, but the question is why? And, the, and I think um, what I want us to consider the example of A.J. Esau to kind of maybe give um, a suggestion. So come to Genesis 25. What I would like to share this suggestion with you, which someone once shared with me, and I it made a lot of sense, and I, and I think it's something that kind of, um, yeah, uh, I'd like to share tonight. So Genesis 25, um, let's just read verse, right around ourselves, verse 21 to 24 of Genesis 5. Let's think again about Jacob and Esau, these two, these two twins, well, these, these pair of twins. Genesis 25, verse 21. And Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife because she was barren and the Lord was entreated of him and Rebecca, his wife conceived and the children struggled together within her. And she said, if it be so, why am I thus? And she went to inquire of the Lord and the Lord said unto her, two nations are in thy womb and two manner of people 
shall be separated from thy bowels. And the one people shall be stronger than the other, and the elder shall serve the younger. When her days were, sorry, when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. So Rebecca here is pregnant with twins. These twins struggle within her. We have them described as two manner of people, and the elder shall serve the younger. And they definitely were two manner of people, weren't they? We know that Esau, verse 27, was a cunning hunter. He was a man of the field. He was earthly. He was fleshly. We read the account from verse 29 onwards uh, um, uh, between Jacob and Esau when he despised his birthright. He's, he's someone who is presented as being ruled by his natural desires. For example, hunger. Um, he wants instant gratification. He despises his birthright, that, that right of the firstborn. And when this is, quote, this is picked up in Hebrews 12, verse 16, Esau is likened to a fornicator, to a profane person, someone who is sexually immoral, someone who is ungodly. He's someone who gives in to all his fleshly lusts. That's kind of the, the picture we represented here, I suggest, of Esau. Jacob, in contrast, in verse 27, is described as a plain man. And that, that word plain, I think it's the only time it's translated as plain. On other occasions, it's translated as other words such as perfect, undefiled, or upright. So we do have here two manner of people being contrasted. We have the natural firstborn, which represents fleshly human nature. And then we have God's chosen child, the one that's described possibly as perfect, undefiled, upright. And in verse 22, they struggle together in the womb. We have this struggle going on. So let's, let's hold those thoughts together and come with me now to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 45. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. So this passage is contrasting Adam, the first Adam, uh, with the last Adam, with Jesus. Verse 26, Howbeit, that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterwards that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthly. The second man is the Lord, is of sorry, is the Lord from heaven. As is the earthly, such are they also that are earthly. And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. So we've been contrasted here with the, the earthly man, which is Adam, but I think also can refer to Esau, uh, who, who kind of is, is that, that type, versus the heavenly, versus the Lord Jesus. We know that Jacob was an imperfect type of Jesus. That's what's being contrasted. And we talk about how the, 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 the natural comes first and then the spiritual, the, the, the earthly, and then, the, then the one from heaven. Um, but come to verse 49. And this, for me, is the key verse, because this connects the pattern that we're seeing to you and to me. The so verse 49. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. We have borne the image of the earthly and we'll bear the image of the heavenly. So I think the suggestion, the way I've heard it described, is that within each of us, within you and me, we all have two brothers uh, because we've actually all been, well, those who've been baptized have all been born twice. Um, so in our baptism, we've been born again. So for me, my older brother is 38 years yeah, 38 years old. That old, he can ask to check his age. Because I'm, I'm uh, yeah, so, so that, that's how old I am. That's my older brother, my firstborn, okay? But my younger brother um, is nearly 20 years old. I was baptized 20 years next month. 
20 years ago in Luxembourg. Uh, and my, so my, my 38-year-old version of myself, my firstborn version of myself, um, is the image of the earthly, the image of Esau, the image of Adam, wanting sort of, you know, the gratification, following its desires, those things. My, desire, my hope is that the younger brother within me, that that's nearly 20-year-old, um, is striving to be like Christ, striving to bear the image of the heavenly. And the key to ensure, the, the key is, sorry, the key is to ensure that the older is serving the younger, that the old man who we've taken off must serve the new man. We have to dethrone that older brother. Uh, and actually, when we think about this idea, it fits with the idea of the, the pattern in Exodus, doesn't it? The firstborn of Egypt was killed when Israel, God's firstborn, was came out of Egypt, which is a picture of baptism, isn't it? That, that, that initial, that original, that, the, 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 the Egypt, that, that type of sin, uh, that firstborn there has to be killed as we come out. And the firstborn which came out of Egypt belongs to God. Have we know, unfortunately, ourselves in our baptisms, that firstborn in Egypt wasn't killed. It comes with us. Um, and it's that continual struggle, isn't it? Like with Rebecca, there's two manner of people struggling within us. Uh, that, that's how we, we, we sort of um, uh, experience it, isn't it? And so, you know, well-known verse, Romans 7, 22, 23 says, For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. Uh, that, that's my younger brother. Uh, I, I delights after the, the, the law of God. Um, but I see another law of my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. You see that struggle within us, uh, which, which is a type of, of Jacob and Esau, that struggle. And if we're honest, our, our natural, fleshly, earthly Esau nature would despise our birthright if we had a chance. That, that the inheritance, the heirs of the promise, the position as a child of God, it, it would despise that in favor of instant gratification of lust. So we need to make sure that the older version of ourselves is continually serving the younger so as not to despise our birthright, uh, that the blessing that God wants to give us, that we can be, uh, that Jesus can be firstborn among many, many brethren, many brothers. And of course, as we come to an end now, we need to thank God, don't we, that we have um, his firstborn son, Jesus, who has been firstborn from the dead, first in time, but also has been elevated to that chief position over all creation, the first in all of importance. He is um, the firstborn of every created thing. And he's also the high priest. He's the, he's the pinnacle of the tribe of Levi, which has been set apart instead of the firstborn. And he is the sacrifice which has redeemed us, uh, our Passover lamb. So to finish, I'll, I'll read you again. Romans 8, uh, verse 29. It's um, our final verse. Romans 8, 29 says, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Thank you for joining us. We hope you found the episode helpful. Don't forget, 
Most of these episodes are also available as videos on our video channel, cdvideo.org. So head over and take a look. If you have any comments or questions or suggestions, please get in touch or leave us a voice message. We love to hear your feedback. You can email us at btf at cdvideo.org. If you enjoyed the episode, then please share it with others. Until next time, may God bless you in your studies and your walk towards God's kingdom. Amen. Thank you.